0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with
1: Viator.
2: Okay, so it's a different day. It's Monday and it's also the traditional out of sight theme music. Because we're we're taking a step away from traveling multiverses, we're gonna stay in the reality that we've all grown used to. Because we have some we have some guests. It's always nice when we get to talk to guys that uh, cover different fan bases. And this week is special. Uh, this week I get to you know poke a little bit of fun at a uh, Sixers rival. Dave Early is with me, of course. Dave, how you doing? I'm doing well. And 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 the guest, uh, who, whose misery we will all embrace and uh, enjoy, is Mr. Jonathan Macri of Knicks Film School. Why are we uh, helping him commiserate with this uh, little therapy session? Well, first and foremost, because the New York Knicks did not get Donovan Mitchell. So we thought we would take this opportunity to, you know... See what other fan bases thought about the Mitchell trade. So Jonathan Macri, welcome to the Out of Sight Podcast. The the couch is yours. Uh lay on it, get comfortable, put your feet up. Uh if you need some cucumber water, we got you covered.
1: Um, I will just I'll I'll stand up for uh Knicks nation as a whole. It is things are not that bad. Uh the, the Mitchell thing, I mean, I'm sure we'll talk about it. I will I think the the summer probably much like it was on the Knicks front office. The summer of Mitchell was certainly draining just because it, I mean, it lasted the better part of two months. Yeah. Um, and I think regardless of how you felt about, you know, whether they should have done something or it was too much or whatever, like by the end of it, you were just exhausted. And then to, to see that they didn't get him was like, yeah, that, that definitely was deflating. um, but yeah, I mean, look, I'm I'm ever the optimist. I I think there's some good stuff going on here. I think there's some not good stuff going on here, which I've been writing about this week. Um, but all in all, you know, in comparison to how things can can have been in the past in Nixland, I I don't think things are that bad right now.
0: Tell me, I want to talk a little bit about. I, I I'm a longtime fan, you know that, and I've often swayed more pessimistic on the end of things. So why don't you talk me through your idea that before the outcome was known, they were kind of damned. If you do damned, if you don't. Yes. Cause, cause that's how you put it. And yeah. I, and I like that. And I could relate to that to a degree. And so talk about that and then talk about your just straight up emotions going into it. Like at what point was your peak confidence? And then how did you feel when it was done?
1: Uh, Well, the damned, if you do damned, if you don't thing, I just think it's pretty simple. It's, like r- regardless of what you think about the price that was paid for whether it's Donovan Mitchell or uh, you know whatever Anthony Davis or uh you know Paul George like pick any of the Harden, yeah Harden, Harden fine what pick I don't care pick any trade like this is this is the cost of doing business um in the NBA now if you want a player who is in the conversation of you know top 15 top 20 and when you get the shot creation with it, um, you know you're you're. It's just this is the price. So, given that this is the price, and that is just a thing that is a reality. Um, and again, it's like for anybody listening to be like, well, that's ridiculous. Well, it's ridic- It's not really ridiculous if someone's willing to pay it. And the Cavs yet again just just paid it. So, if that's the price, then you need to have an infrastructure whereby if you are adding. If you have to pay the price to add the player, then I'm not saying adding the player needs to put you into contender status like right away, like with that move. But it becomes almost impossible to need another move of that size to put you into contender status. And that is a long winded way of saying you need to draft a player on your team who, or, or come by a player on your team, but you know, maybe they get much better on your team after they're like, not good, whatever. It would take something strange. The the traditional way is you need to draft a player <laughs> who is, Dwayne who, Wade who, who, yeah, who, who is of, of that ilk. Ben Simmons. Yeah. No kidding. Sorry. I mean, obviously number one on my list, Um, you know, who either is that player now, or you can foresee that becoming that level of player within the next, whatever, three Four years or in the case of Cleveland, I think Cleveland's a little unique because I, I don't I think Moby's Moby's probably the guy that you'd put the highest ceiling on. But, you know, between yeah. him and Garland, it's like double like a double whammy. And like you look around the league and I don't know, do do, can 20 teams make an argument that they have that guy can 25 teams make an argument that they have that guy. I know the Knicks cannot make an argument that they have that guy, and uh, you know anybody listening to this is going to take that, of course, as shade at RJ Barrett, which it's not. It's just RJ Barrett. I think is going to become a really, really, really nice player. Is he going to be a top ten to fifteen offensive engine type of guy in the NBA? Like I, you know, I hope I'm wrong. Um, I, don't, he's only, I don't. He's
0: only five months older than Tyrese Maxey. He's got a full year extra under his belt in the league. I.
1: I appreciate that, and I am hopeful for him to develop into a guy who is going to make All Star teams. I think he will make All Star teams, but like to, I just I have to get very specific when I talk about this stuff to Knicks fans because they get mad at me because they think I hate RJ Barrett. Like the notion that like oh we it doesn't matter that we don't have Donovan Mitchell we have RJ Donovan Mitchell is an efficient three level scorer. RJ Barrett is a one level scorer, and the one level is not efficient. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I look. I ho- I think he'll get there. I think he'll continue to progress in all the different ways. But just to answer, it is a very long winded way of answering your question. Like that is why they were damned if they did and damned if they didn't because they didn't have the infrastructure. And if they gave up what they needed to give up to get Mitchell, then they wouldn't have enough left to 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 make it that infrastructure. And then in terms of the emotion, like where was I? Like how could how like, confident basically,
0: were you at, it was going to happen at any point this summer and then how did you feel when you got the news?
1: Oh, I thought it would happen. I mean, I I don't I don't know. Was I ever a hundred percent? Like, no, I was never a hundred percent. Like, I it was so funny. Like, and this you saw reports trickle out from different corners of the internet. Like, it seemed like there were two or three a week where someone was like, "The deal is done." Yes, I right. Can't, you know, so many
0: fake burners were like, "I've I've got this. It's done." So,
2: like, just I always, always check for those blue check marks, kids. Always no, but do that. you know what? There,
1: <laughs> this, there were some blue checks who who tweeted out it's like some yeah. of this is done. I can't tell you how many people who like and I, I again, I trust these people. I don't think they were lying. I like people who have connections or this or that who texted me or emailed me or DM me throughout the summer and being like, it's done. It's 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 done. It's it is like it's they're just working out the kinks. And I never bought it. That being said, I thought it would happen. Um, I mostly because I didn't see the team that was going to be as motivated to give up the package it would take. And until when Ian, Ian Bagley, our, our guy for SNY, who, who was the best beat guy in the business, covering the Knicks, he reported the Cavs of interest. And then my initial question, as soon as that interest got reported, was, well, Are they giving up basically all of their their future draft equity for a guy who could very well leave in three years? And I was like, oh man, that's a lot. That's a lot to give up. And then not three or four days later, the same that same reporter, Ian Bagley, reported that the Cavs had pulled themselves out of talk. So I was like, once that happened, to me, that was a sign that, like, oh wow, okay. So word really has gotten around the league that for whatever the Knicks are haggling over, other teams know. It's just best not to get involved at the level the Knicks are at, wherever they are. And so, again, that was like a sign to me, like, it'll get done, and then we know what happened next.
2: And you talked about R.J. Barrett and, you know, what he's capable of being. I honestly do believe that R.J. Barrett will be an all-star in this league. Here's the problem that I have with R.J. Barrett. I don't think he's the number one on a championship team. He's a no, sp- he's not. He's a very nice uh 2 or 3, but he's not going to be like the alpha dog on a championship winning team. To me, like his best comp uh, reaching the absolute pinnacle of his ceiling, uh, again going to your efficiency questions, uh, Chris Middleton, I guess.
1: I to me my it's always I mean, it's the obvious one. To me it's always been Jimmy Butler just because Jimmy Butler's a guy who is I think the only prominent like offensive engine f- perimeter player. So take, take and beat out of it. Um, I mean, you don't have to take Jokic and, and Towns out of it because they, they obviously do pose a threat on the perimeter, but like in terms of like a guard or a wing who just doesn't give you anything off the bounce behind the arc. Yeah. And yet he still figures out a way postseason after pro season, after pro season to just, you look at him and be like, well, that's, that is one of the ten best players in the sport. I think that's RJ's ceiling, and like, I'm always hesitant to say Butler's name because I think Butler is like the the MJ Kobe level worker of this generation in the NBA. And to just assume that someone is going to continue to work that hard at their game, and like RJ reportedly works really freaking hard, but like, is he going to work as hard as Jimmy Butler? Is he going to have that sociopathic? Chip on his shoulder that Butler clearly has. I, I mean, I hope so. Um, but yeah, in that, terms of like, that took the,
2: several seasons for Jimmy to uh, kind of really embrace.
1: You know, yeah. He, but like, if where he, where where he that, would just
2: like fight guys in practice, like that took
1: years. I'll tell you what, though, the best the best thing about that R.J. Barrett did this year, bar none, for me, December thirty first to the end of the year, seven point five free throw attempts per game. Um, I know he only hits him at about a seventy percent clip. I don't care. I, he's going to be <laughs> fine from the line. That showed me okay. That's a that is a reliable NBA skill that any team would be like. Okay, this guy could get us to get to the line eight times a game. We could figure a way to to use him as a weapon. I need I need the passing to get better. He's been a flat three assists for thirty six minutes for his all three years. I, I oh. don't love it. I think there's more playmaking there. Um, it feels like there should be more playmaking there. Uh, the, the teams he's been on have not helped, but like that's the path for me. And I just, I just wish his touch around the room was better, but
0: more more importantly for our listeners, what did, what do you think? I know you're optimistic in general. I listened to some of the back and forth you had with Jeremy, which I found fascinating on a pod, but what do you think, the Knicks didn't do well here. And 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 also, what do you think was their bottom line offer that they made? And do you think that they would have offered more if given another chance?
1: Um, You know, it's funny. I haven't been asked that last question. Yeah. And I haven't even written my answer to that last question. <laughs> uh, didn't
0: some of the reporting make it sound like like they were surprised. Maybe. Oh, no,
1: it's not some of the, it is unquestioned from in, at this point. They were yeah. f- shocked that they did not get a chance to go back to the negotiating table. I had heard on Thursday. So the, the day the trade went down, I had gotten some I'd heard from some places that I, I do trust, like a little bit. There, there were discussions being had and I couldn't. And like I had some people telling me like the jazz had made a final request and the other people were someone else was like the, the Knicks were going to had made a final offer. And that is clearly not true. The re, The reporting is 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 firm. The t, the the, the or excuse me, the jazz. I, I think I've been saying the cast. The jazz did not go back to the the negotiating table with the Knicks. So that but. I I have a sense that the Knicks knew where it was going. And if I had to guess, I bet you they were preparing to go back to Utah. And
0: I I got that sense.
1: Yeah. And then when the trade went down without them getting a chance to go back to Utah with another offer, I think they were floored. And the reason, (laughs) the reason why I think that they would have gone back and offered more is What, what,
0: what do you think they had offered at that
1: point? Well, I mean, I'll I, look. I have no reason to not believe Woj's reporting, and Woj's reporting.
0: Just, just recap it. Then what you know for our Sixers fans who didn't follow it as closely.
1: Yeah, sure. The the Knicks offered R.J. and two two unprotected firsts. The Jazz came back, and uh, let me. I'll here's how I think this went. Yeah. And this is if you're. I'll answer your first question in, in answering and explaining this. I think the Knicks' biggest mistake slash misevaluation in specifically in the negotiations. Because I think there have been other mistakes that tie into this that did that were not like mistakes made during the negotiation, but culminated in the negotiation. I think the mis the misevaluation here was they thought R.J. Barrett was a trump card and they believed once R.J. was put on the table with multiple unprotected firsts that they had done what they needed to do. And that the Jazz would essentially be forced whether they wanted to trade Donovan to the Knicks or completely loathed the idea of trading Donovan to the Knicks. I think the Knicks thought that the Jazz would not be able to turn back that offer. Do you think they they,
0: they held firm on not offering the third unprotected pick along with RJ?
1: So here's what happened. So, and again, there's been reporting that they offer three unprotected firsts, but not with RJ. So the, the Woj report is that they offered RJ and two are protected first. And again, everything I'm about to say, assume that there are swaps and like a protected pick or two or whatever else. But RJ and two are protected first. Jazz come back. We want that and Grimes. So Quentin Grimes, for anybody who doesn't know, is the Knicks' 25th pick last year. He was a rookie. He only played 700-something minutes because of injuries and it took him a while to crack the rotation. Great there is some thinking by some people that the Knicks valued him as much as RJ, if not more, in these negotiations, wow. because he's a rookie. Tibbs allegedly loves him. Um, he's he's really promising as far as a high level three and D prospect. Former number seven um, ranked prospect in his class, the, mm-hmm. the RJ Zion class. He's you know went through some trials and tribulations. Transferred from Kansas. We don't have to get into it anyway. That's who the Jazz came back. I believe at that point. The Knicks were so taken aback by the fact that, like, man, the 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 cojones on these guys for asking for Grimes on top of RJ and doing protected, <laughs> but at, I and again, I'm, the Woj's report is that the Knicks came back with quickly and RJ and doing protected first, which I think was their way of saying, well, shit, we've come this far, we've already offered RJ, we have to get this thing done. Let's just concede. They can't possibly expect that we're going to give them RJ and Grimes and to Unprotected Firsts. Let's just get the freaking thing done right with quickly. And then and now I'm going back to the reporting, not my assumption, that what I just said was my assumption. The reporting now, again, from Woj is at that point, the the chess came back with, OK, we'll take quickly, but we want a third Unprotected First, <laughs> which The moment and like there are like reports on like Reddit and stuff about like, you know, phones being slammed and thrown in like the next negotiation. I think this is the moment where like probably a phone got thrown against the wall and and shattered into a a thousand pieces because you and you can imagine why. Because like that's what that thud was that I heard from, you know, a couple hundred miles away. Yeah. You know, and it's like you guys got to be freaking kidding me. But again, and, it, and I'm going back to the report. So is- at
0: this point, at this point, it's RJ, three unprotected first, and Grimes, for and the ask. And, and no, Grimes. Quickly. And quickly. Okay, not Grimes, but quickly. But first quickly. First. And that is the, that is the ask. Correct. That is the ask. See, I, it- wouldn't, I wouldn't have thrown my phone. I would have thought this is maybe more than I would have guessed at the start. But with Barrett, depending on how they value him, maybe not because – you know, are those four protected picks included? And what about swaps? So there's so a lot I of think, different
1: ways. So my assumption based on the reporting and based on what I know is like, it was two unprotected first, two swaps. And I'm, I'm, I feel pretty confident in saying the years because the years matter here too, obviously, because what they ended up getting, and this matters, this will matter. And in, in the fact that why the jazz didn't come back to the table, yep. they got control of the Cavs draft from 20, 25 through uh 2029 the knicks were trying to get away with giving the jazz control of their draft from 2023 to 2023, four, five, six. uh three four five six so three of those years obviously mitchell would be still under his current contract so i'm i'm assuming it was two firsts and two swaps and then again plus rj and quickly. And then maybe a protected pick, maybe two. There was a report that they were going to send a protected pick somewhere else to dump Fournier's salary. Maybe there was another protected pick going back to Utah. Anyway, so Utah comes back. We want the third unprotected first. And then again, according to the Woj report, that is when the Jazz said, or the Knicks were like, we'll do it if you top five protect the the third third first. And that is what really bothers me the most because like i still think that's fair
2: to ask for a top five protection on that because like you so, don't know what the hell is going to happen
0: well
1: is it fair of course it's fair and but i it makes me think a couple things the first thing it makes me think is well did the knicks run off like what level of conviction were they really operating with here because yeah sure it's nice to get top five protections do you know what top five protections don't do? Mm-hmm. They don't they don't allow you to mi- trade that pick. So now all of a sudden you're sitting there and you're like, well, shit, we've traded away whether it's three, five, and twenty-three, twenty-five, twenty-seven, or twenty-four, twenty-six, twenty-eight. The next time we could trade away two unprotected first, we have to we're sitting around waiting two or three years. So there goes your next star trade. So I'm like, were they? Did they just feel at that point so boxed into a corner that they had to make this trade that they were like, well, Jesus, let's try to get something out of this. And which is, again, they went back. I'm going by Woj's reporting. Again, this is not me talking out of my ass. This is Wojnarowski. He said once they asked for the top five protections, the Jazz said no. And then the Knicks extended RJ and then, You know, and at that, but again, at that point, I have to think when they hung up the phone on Monday night, and then ultimately extended or decided to extend RJ, I have to think they thought the Jazz would come back and say, "All right, fine, we'll take it with the top five protections," but they didn't. And now here we are. And so, so do
0: do you think they hamstrung themselves by actually extending Barrett in that spot? Like, was that a self imposed (sighs) line that hurt them?
2: Oh, they're committed to RJ Barrett now.
1: Well, obviously they are. And I do think that they, I don't know. I, I, I wrote the day after right, that I thought it was wrote, Leon's like, oh, attempt oh, yeah. to draw a line in the sand. Yeah. That didn't work. I, I guess the thing that I, that I go back and forth with is like, so like, I do believe the Knicks really like RJ Barrett. And I do believe that they think he can be a cornerstone piece for them, whatever your definition of that is. But like, I also think that in their mind, the best value proposition for these negotiations was to have RJ be a part of this trade, which is different. I want to make very clear, which is different from me saying they do not like RJ Barrett or they do not want RJ Barrett to be like a part of the next foundation for the next 10 years. I just thought I think they were looking at all of this purely from a value perspective. And that is where I believe their misvaluation was because the Jazz clearly did not share that valuation of R.J. Barrett as if, evinced by the, the trade that they ultimately took.
0: If this were me and I were a Knicks fan, I would have been quite content to include Barrett in the deal with the hopes that I get to save some of those unprotected picks, maybe one or two of those protected or swaps Because if he's going to be making $30 million a year now, he's not guaranteed to fulfill that contract. So there's a non-zero proposition that he's somewhat negative value over the course of this next deal. So if I can offload a little bit of that risk to the jazz Barrett and three unprotected. And the third one is one through five that I'm down with that. I would do that. And I might give you grimes because the other element that I'm thinking is is there no James Dolan tax? I mean, well, if I if I if I have this job and I want to keep my job, do I have to pay to change what we've been through a little bit, so get the, some of that stink off and let Donovan do the recruiting for us moving forward?
1: So the grime, so this is where the grime's part of it comes in. And if you're following the reporting, you're you end up with two things that are at least going to make you do a double take not a double take but like at least make you make you raise your eyebrows one is that Donovan Mitchell is not a Nick because of an argument over a top five protection which again I think was more a negotiating error that they they were just trying to get something at that last at like they they felt that they were at the one yard line and they were just trying to get something on the way in which like I don't know can I blame them for that I sure sure I can but teams
0: do it teams do it Darryl Morey Does that too. Yeah. And 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 then you you run it by them. Well, what about, what if we also did this?
1: Yeah, exactly. And I, I, and I think that's what happened here. The Grimes part of it is more interesting to me because they could have included, they could have done the deal for RJ Grimes and two unprotected first. Now, would I have felt great about that deal? Uh, No. If it was my job on the line, would I have made the deal? I probably still know (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no. Okay. What, but, what, what's your absolute bottom line
0: If you were the GM
1: I mean I said on my own pod I would have done RJ In two firsts um, And you know two swaps And like all of the protected picks um, Okay so
0: four, four Protected picks, two what? swaps Two Knicks picks We're now at six picks and two swaps Good. Great. Yes and... but if
1: if the, if the Knicks picks Were in If the picks and swaps were in the next four years
0: 24 and 20. All right.
1: Yeah. That's the key. Cause like, again, I want to be able to turn around on literally draft night next year and go to a team and say, we, um, I can give you two future unprotecteds and two swaps, you know? Um, and if I did, if I do that deal, I could do that. The reason why Grimes, like is Grimes worth this much attention? Like, you know, I'm sure I, I like I did, I'm sure you listened to the Zach Lowe pod with Ian where Zach was like kind of incredulously talking about the notion that like Quentin Grimes was a deal breaker here for Donovan Mitchell. The tone but, like, in
0: his voice, whenever he said Quentin Grimes. Yeah. Was, like it, yeah. it made it very,
1: made it very clear. What is, what is okay, the, if you,
0: if you think Grimes. Yeah. <laughs> like
1: here's the thing. One, the Knicks have, I'm convinced at this point, more faith in your ability to be a contributing wing on this team than Cam Reddish next year. So the notion that like they were going to rely on Cam to big play, big wing minutes on this team for 30 plus minutes a night. Like, no, if they, if they trade Grimes and RJ, there's just, I don't know. Like I literally just don't know how you survive next year without like a serviceable two-way wing. Um Like, that would be really tough. Now, granted, this is a franchise-altering trade that should not be about next year. Okay, fine.
0: That's what I was going to say.
1: Where are you? Yes, and I've thought that. And I'm like, okay, do you deal with reddish? Who knows? Maybe reddish pops. You never know. Crazier things have happened. I think they were so fearful of, like, you know, because, like, these guys are still the toughest positions to to fill long-term. And then you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself to, like, okay, the next star trade kind of has to f- fit into that mold, but, like, what are the next couple of years going to look like? And then you have to ask some nasty questions about, like, well, at that point, was it job preservation that got them to not do the trade? Because, like, were they worried, well, shit, if we give up all this and then we bring Donovan here and we have no wings and we're an eighth seed next year or a seventh seed and we don't make it out of the play-in, are we all getting fired?
0: replace us, yeah. But you if know, we board all these um, picks and we have... And we dangle talks of SGA. Maybe we can keep our job for three more years and leave this <laughs> out.
1: Well, I mean, I don't look. I don't want to get too negative because, like, I do still. I here's the thing. I I, I don't still think like the position. Like that. What's that? I don't think that's
0: what it is. Just job security. I, I think they. No, really I don't think that's
1: what it way. is either. I I really don't. But like. It's just like you, you when again, if the if the ultimate question is like if you here's the thing, if you ask 28 other GMs, take out the, the GMs that were involved in this negotiation is R.J. Barrett, Quentin Grimes and two unprotected firsts and two swaps in the next four years. Is that fair value on its face for Donovan Mitchell? I. I know there are there are some GMs who are saying yes, that is fair value.
2: See, I can't really answer that question given the fact that Utah got so much for Rudy Gobert. So I don't know what and, any GMs are doing these days.
0: And the four protected picks, so two unprotected. Two let's pops, say let's let's protected. let's be conservative.
1: Let's Good say three God. protected picks. Let's <laughs> say three protectives.
0: Yeah. Okay. I, I think that's. I mean, if you ask me before it all started, what it's going to and for, forget Gobert because I don't think. What yeah, Ainge got four Gobert biased Ainge himself. Like, oh, yeah. the market's different now. I think Ainge no. thought, like, okay, I would happily trade Gobert for two picks. I can't believe I got four. I still want right. five for Donovan.
1: You know, and, and, and big so, shout out to Alex Rodriguez for making that happen for <laughs> Danny Ainge.
0: Yeah, it makes it makes a lot of trades look bad. I don't think that the Cavs overpaid. I, I don't think so either. I, don't, I I don't know if the Knicks would have overpaid if they offered. Three unprotected picks, four. Uh, th- let's say, like you said, three protected picks, two swaps. Uh, I don't know if that would have been an overpay. I, I probably would have done it if I were their GM. Um, and then hope that Julius opts out by 2020. I mean, or yeah, but
1: again, you're talking three years down the line, and like, what is, I mean, I, th- I,
0: I, think, I think they're still
1: trying to move Julius, and I, I think they would have tried even harder to move Julius had they swung this trade, but.
0: Jeremy brought up Russell Westbrook, and you said I might need a drink. Would that have been nah. jo- joy or the opposite? Because if they uh, get oh. Russ and a pick,
1: oh, if they do Russ and uh, Evan and let's say Cam for Russ and even just the one pick, I I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd love that. I'd, I'd sign for that right now. Sarcasm. No, I, no, no I, he, he's in. I can't tell. I
0: really can't no, tell I, when it comes I'm to just, Russell Westbrook I, anymore.
1: I think they need to. No, I'm, 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 I'm waving Russell Westbrook to before he boards the plane, <laughs> um, but no, I do that. I do that in RB because you're getting a potentially really nice asset for, yeah. and you're getting rid of Julius Randle in the process. Who like, I'm just, I, I don't. Know, I'm, I might. You're down You're I'm very, Julius Randle. I'm very, I'm very out on on Julius. I just, but just to like close the loop on what we were talking about a second ago, I, I, I think that's at least an interesting conversation. I do think. I think this, I think if you, again, if you asked like the 28 GMs, if you were the Knicks, would you do that? RJ Grimes, again, let's say two unprotected first, two unprotected swaps, and three protected picks. I bet you most GMs would say they would not do that if they were the Knicks. I bet they would. You think they would? Maybe. I don't know. I I look at the three picks and one of those swaps as just,
0: this is the tax to get New York back on the map. Right. Right. Nobody yeah, wants but- to be there. Yeah. you got to overpay. You're not just pay You're not just topping the market. You're topping the stink of the last 20 years
2: with, with, Dol- with Dolan there. You high- you kind of have to overpay
1: guys to go That's to New three
0: York. picks right there. I That's don't
1: the look, you don't you- buy that. Maybe, maybe some GMs would factor that. I personally don't. I, I don't think that certainly, I don't think the front office ever planned to pay any, I think they probably thought they were getting a New York tax. Um, but I don't know if they feel like that tax would be built into, it, you know, like every future possible negotiation. The other part of it, and like, and I do think this factors in as well, is like, like, yeah, the Knicks were not good last year, and obviously are not like relevant in the way that Leon Rose would like them to be relevant, which is I think a big part of this this trade thing but like i think a fair amount of the stink is all like there is off i don't think this negotiations these negotiations did them any favors about how they're viewed around the league especially with the mm. roses stuff coming out and like how many cooks they got in the kitchen and like the you know all-star break last season there were rumors about like oh is World Wide west going to dolan about tibbs and blaming tibbs for the like you he never like to see that
0: you know, right pays for reddish to oh yeah no the the
1: reddish thing was a disaster and and continues to be like so all we, that stuff we know matters. about
0: collaborative we know about collaborative front offices
1: and oh, they don't God. Work so well. no it's like great in theory but like in actuality it 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 turns into a mess and like it yeah so you get it like it just we, we get it all too well jonathan yeah i'm sure you do so all that being said, has there been some messiness? Yes, absolutely. There's been some messiness. I think the Knicks feel like, look, we still got Tibbs here. And look, Tibbs, God knows I fight this battle every day with most fans. I still think Tibbs is a, a very good coach in terms of just like the, from a pure perspective of like he will have his players ready to go out and win a basketball game on any given night. And he will
0: overachieve. He will overachieve. in the yes.
1: regular season, And like. Is he risk averse? If you have a potentially exciting young player, will he not play that young player anywhere near as minutes as like m- probably a lot of other coaches would? Absolutely.
2: Another, fam- another familiar topic. Yeah. Like yes, you guys know, God, I don't,
1: God knows. I don't have to talk to you about that. Um, and like, by the way, did those decisions to not play young players come back and bite him in the ass last year? Absolutely. Because they were the worst clutch net rating team in the freaking league. Um <laughs> And, you know, one one blown lead after another. So, like, is he perfect? No. Does he still know how to coach up a basketball team? Yes. Um, do you I want think him to that- have
0: say in the front office? No. <laughs> Absolutely effing not. <laughs>
1: no. Um, you know, do I think they think that they will be a lot better with Brunson and like just like getting past a lot of what went wrong last year? Like, yeah. And I think like that's fair. I think the Knicks could go out and win. Thirty-eight or thirty-nine games or forty games this year. Like, I don't think that that's crazy. So you're not um, going to be
0: watching the draft too closely this year. You're thinking play-in playoffs.
1: I would. I would. I think if you gave me even odds, I, I would bet on them making the play-in. Um, I don't know that I would wager money on them winning a play-in game. <laughs> I think. I think they like. Here's my. I guess my hot take, and I don't think it's really that hot of a take. Is like I think they'll. I think they could be better than Chicago um and i think they'll be better than washington and i think they'll be better than charlotte i'm really not high on charlotte um so like you know that puts them ninth uh you know maybe win a play a play-in game and then go in and give a how, how about this how about nick's Cavs second play-in game that, that how's that for some ratings
2: i i will say this uh you can you can't even find a Knicks over under a win totals bit. It's off the board right now. No,
1: you could I, I looked throw today. I think they're <laughs> still sitting there at 39 and a half. The,
0: ah. the Cavs will not be in there. The Cavs look like a top five seed to me. Do they not to you?
1: Um, I mean I'm doing this off the top of my head. I would have the Cavs Celtics, Bucks.
0: I have the East, I'll have the Cavs Sixers, ahead of the Nets.
1: I'll have the That's Cavs five. ahead of the Raptors. So I, I will put the Cavs okay, either so fifth six. or sixth, and then yeah. I'll put the Raptors um, and the Hawks. But even like, on, if I'm being honest, like, in, again, I'm the, I'm ever the optimist. If you told me the Knicks were going to have a better record than the Hawks this year, like I would say like, eh, probably not. Would I be shocked? No, I wouldn't be shocked. We just I, like, saw
0: it in 2021, but it didn't did. really get them that much.
2: I, I yeah. think um, I, th- I think it's hilarious that Dave has Brooklyn as a top four seed. I don't. <laughs> I mean, I don't walk, see if- how
0: you not.
2: I don't. Um, who Mil- the hell knows? Mil- Mil- Milwaukee, Miami, Philly, and Boston. That's my top four. All
0: right, but I know you got to get out of here. But I have to ask you about this one more Woj bomb. At sure. Start at the start of trade talks in July. New York offered yeah a, a package of Barrett, Obi, Mitchell, Rob. Three unprotected first and the Jazz turned it down. Jesus, is, is that offer bigger than the one they took from the Cavs? And what the heck
1: happened? So the there is a theory, and it's not my theory, and I apologize to anybody who, like, ever DM me this theory. And like, I I, I wish I would, could go back and give anybody who did this credit. Uh, again, this is not my. I did. I I'm not. I not think of this. It's not original thought for me. But there is a theory that that was the Knicks' attempt to smear Ainge and make oh, Ainge wow. look bad, which that theory has upset a lot of Knicks fans because well, Woj
0: is CAA.
1: Would you CAA. He is CAA. And when
0: I when I read this report, I thought is this somehow Leon Rose saving face that he, he did offer the most Yeah but
1: out? but if he's but if he's saving face by throwing his own play. Cause to me, that's like, you're throwing your own players under the bus.
0: You also make it look like somehow you frustrated Ainge enough to not call
1: you back. Um,
2: Which is kind of hard to do sometimes.
1: Yeah. I don't, I don't know. So do, and then the other thing I'll say about this is like, so um, Ian, Ian Bagley, who, again, I, I trust Ian more than any reporter out there. Like was like, he, t- he spoke about that on the low post pod. And he was, he was very, cause Ian's the best. He was like very clear. Like I would never dispute Woj about anything. And he just kind of gave a little bit of a talk about how like talks are fluid, you know, and like, you know, memories could be maybe not. And it's like, what's offered, what's like bandied about internally and this and that.
0: Maybe it, do I like think it that, wasn't set
1: in stone. Do I th- Yeah. Do I think that offer was like officially made? Like if you're asking me personally, just my opinion, no, I don't. I don't okay. think so. Okay. That, but that's surprised. just me. I, I don't, you know.
0: All right, I'm gonna hit you with this heater, so I hope you have a little scotch handy just in case. You I have a little out. bit
1: of scotch I, left. By the way, I just wanted to give you a compliment. I was thinking ahead to my, um, I was thinking ahead to my. Someone asked me to write about Dark Horse Awards guys, and I went through in my own head earlier. Don't do it. Too. Don't do well, it. <laughs> I, no, I don't even know if you if you know where to go with this. I went through. I think there's a very clear top four for MVP, and your your guy who I I thought would have gotten MVP by now, but I have him in my clear top four along with Luca, Giannis, and um. Tatum. Wow! God so Joel's it.
0: in your top four right now.
1: God damn yeah. it! He did it,
0: son of a. Ugh. I'm a big he Joel. Guy.
1: It. I'm a big Joel guy. I'm a big Joel guy.
2: Listen, so, I, Drew, I'm a big Joel guy as well. I mean, Dave knows that I prefer a different center uh, compared to Joel and be like Dave knows that secret of mine.
0: Yeah, he's in he's a Jokic fan. I, but, uh, I, I Drew, have, Drew I, have that, one, I have Jokic
2: one. I Jokic one and be
0: one a. I think that's fair. R.J. That's, Barrett that's so fair. and Joel and Beach trainer said Joel's not gunning all out for MVP this year, so I don't know if you want to factor that in. Just oh.
1: interesting. So then maybe I have to. So then. I think my answer to the question is going to be Tatum because Tatum, Tatum's odds are like 11 or 12 to one right now, which I think is really low for good value.
0: for that. All they have to do is win the most games of the regular season and he'll be a candidate for sure.
1: Yeah. And I I don't, it's not like, like, I don't know. I, I, if Giannis and and Luca are still pretty good, pretty good. Anyway, what, what, what question were you going to ask me that required Scotch?
0: (laughs) <laughs> All right, so I have a I have a Knicks fan friend who is absolutely appalled with Leon Rose and hates the way this went. He he does think they should have paid the barn tax, as he calls it, like the blue barn tax. Okay. Um, you know we've been so bad for so long. You, you overpay a little bit, you suck it up, you get him in here, blah blah blah. Um, so he wants me to ask you, would Donovan Mitchell have surpassed Carmelo Anthony and Emmanuel Mudiay as best Knicks ever since Ewing? If, if wow.
1: <laughs> I don't know. Moody is a tough part. to, to uh... <laughs> So can I ask a clarifying question? Good Please. Lord. <laughs> like, am I projecting like what Donovan Mitchell's career here would have been in answering this question? Or is it just like the minute Mitchell gets here is his no, like no, peak pro- projecting. better?
0: So, so Melo was like top three in MVP voting that one year they made the second round. And then yeah. he fell off and he had some injuries and he had a, a great Knicks career, but that was his peak and it was short lived. So Mitchell would have had at least three years. You can project all you like. Would um, Mitchell have been the best Knicks So I did,
1: I did, um, I did a lot of research uh, over this past season because as part of my newsletter, I wrote about the 75 greatest Knicks ever because obviously 75 years of Knicks basketball. And I, Wrote up all 75 and I had mellow number five and I am, I am known as more of a mellow. I'll say critic, not hater. i am known as more of a mellow critic than most, but I felt it's pretty clear that after uh, Ewing, Frazier and Reed in some order, and then Dave DeBuscher, who I have as a clear number four, yeah. I felt mellow deserved to be number five. So it's essentially you're asking me: Is would Donovan Mitchell have been one of the five greatest Knicks ever?
0: <laughs> yeah, let's do it.
1: Oh man, I I can't <laughs> I can't I can't sit here and do that yet. I mean, like since, right, since Ewing makes it easier. <laughs> well, I mean, I think he'd be. The, it's him and Melo, and 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 they're peerless. Uh, it's Some, but someone
0: might throw out like Spruwell, Houston, LJ. But no, yeah, no, I no, no. I think no. I think
1: Mitchell. I think Mitchell. Camby. would have i think they would have done i will the, not i will not allow any
2: marcus Canby slander on this podcast <laughs> hey listen man marcus can be best, best
1: best player in the 1999 Eastern conference finals um i i think there i think that this regime would have figured out a way to make i don't know if they would have if they would have figured out a way to make the next legit contenders i have my doubts But I think they would have figured out a way to make the Knicks like part of the conversation. Like the 2012-13 team, uh, were they real contenders? Eh, I don't know. Uh, They kind of were the precursor to the you know the Steph Warriors and the way they like shot threes and and all that. Like they were really, really, really good. I think this ahead
0: of the curve that year.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, Started out six and zero, I believe. Um, I think they would have figured out a way to get a Donovan led team to that level hopefully for more than one year um and because of that i think donovan mitchell would have found himself in some mvp conversations uh would have made some all nba teams do i think he would have surpassed mellow though i don't know that I, oh my god i don't know that i could go that far
2: i, I don't i don't either just because i think like mellow carried those Knicks teams as like as far as he possibly could he, and I don't know if I don't know.
0: If... I'll I'll solve this for both of you guys. He definitely would have passed him, and it would have been on longevity. He might not have had one season as good as Melo's best next season, but he would have had three that were much better than Melo's three or four. Okay. I'll,
1: I'll agree with that. I will. Agree. I'll say, let me say this. Mello, statistically, Melo's best season was not the 12, 13 season. It was the, it was the following year. Um, okay. Or actually there's even an argument that it was like, yeah, well, no, it was the following year when everything went wrong. Um, and they went, I think they were 37 got and 45. Porzingis? What's that?
0: Is that when they got Porzingis? Yeah. <laughs>
1: no, that was so the the year after the 1213 year, uh, that was a 54 win season when they lost to the Pacers in the second round. They started out the following year, I want to say two and eight or two and nine. They were just like snake bitten from the beginning. They ended up closing the year on like this really, really good run. They thought like it was, you know, maybe Mike Woodson had done enough to save his job. They ended up finishing a game out of the eighth seed. And Woodson was fired. They finished, I think, 37 and 45. The next season Just to make they,
0: sure they didn't get the first pick.
1: The next season they went seventeen and uh sixty-five, tied for the worst record in franchise history. And that is the season that preceded um Chris was in yeah. this. But like the my point is the 13-14 year, even though that was an incredibly underwhelming season for the Knicks, it was the Bargnani year, which was not good. Mello <laughs> that year was like Mello that year was really good. And he was also really good again. Like it, it's again, it's tough because like the 11 12 year was that was the Linsanity year. And like when you think about Mello in that season. I think for a lot of people, they think about how Mello coming back was like, like the, the, when, before Linsanity, the team was not good because they didn't have a point guard. And then after Mello came back, it like got in the way of Linsanity. And then that team also finished 18 and six. Um, and Mello was freaking awesome. Like, so I don't know. He had a weird career. I think, you, I don't know. You might be right. Yeah, it was really Final, weird. final like,
0: question. If Mello, if Mello could do it all over again, would he just sure. buy into D'Antoni and try to average like, 40 and 15 as like a point guard instead of the oh, ISO man. three he wanted to be.
1: I do not think Carmelo Anthony would do anything differently from uh, <laughs> okay. other than I don't know, maybe you go to Chicago, who knows? In Car- 2000, uh, in 2000, what, 15? And Noah recruits him. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know.
2: <laughs> I don't know. Jonathan Macri, love talking to you about Knicks basketball. I mean, listen, I. I kid about I care about the Knicks, but you guys are just as tortured as any NBA franchise. Just the the longevity. Like we had a couple years of the process, but like you guys have had like, um, like decades of doling. So I don't, I almost feel bad for Knicks fans. That's why I don't like to shit on you guys too much.
0: I mean,
1: listen, <laughs> uh, there's a lot of Knicks fans who, I think wished, and maybe still wish. That there was a process there was a process era here. I mean, like right now, the sentiment amongst the fan base is very clear. It's just like just do what you have to do. Get rid of Derek Rose, get rid of Evan Fournier, get rid of Julius Randle. Just please, God, play these young players so we know what the hell we have in Obi Toppin and Emmanuel Quickly and you know Quentin Grimes. And there, there are still there are still cam reddish uh stands out there. Um
2: so I, if you could introduce me to one on Twitter, I can't find a single one. Oh, I
0: think I've got one on my one of my friends. So, okay, you know, he, he could be better than RJ Barrett. Wow. They're out
1: there. They're they're oh God. Listen, um, they're out there. That's all I'm <laughs> saying. They're out there.
2: Jonathan, where where can people uh, locate you on Twitter? Plug your podcast, your social media, all that stuff. The time is yours, my friend.
1: Oh, uh, sure. I'm never good at this part um so you can follow me on twitter at uh jc macri mba uh and then everything is under the nicks film school umbrella so it's like nicks film school podcast on like anywhere you get your podcasts uh nicks film school youtube channel we crossed uh, 10000 subs over the summer so that was fun and uh i have a daily uh newsletter that i send out every weekday uh that is nicks film school on substack so the link to that if you want to If you want to pay $5 a month to read uh, about the New York Knickerbockers five days a week, uh, you can, you can subscribe to that. Um, But yeah, that's my, that's my true labor of love. I love writing that newsletter. And,
0: uh, and and it is, it it is tremendous. And the podcast is tremendous. And I believe that you hold the entire Knicks beat to a higher standard because of your presence with uh, Uh, with your
1: team that you've assembled. Well, that's, incredibly kind i don't know if it's true but i appreciate it and um, we're,
2: we're just trying we're just trying to suck out to you so that maybe maybe we'll get primo seats for for that christmas day game
1: yeah <laughs> uh i'll tell <laughs> you <laughs> we'll a not couple be at of those cri-
0: protected picks
1: uh, <laughs> i will i will not be at that christmas day game i will i just hope to be able to watch it because like christmas day is like a kind of a non-negotiable in uh with my wife she's and I love Christmas, too. It's like, you know, we have two small kids, so I got to be, uh, you know, I got to be I got to be present and like with the fam. But like, <laughs> I'm excited about that, that Christmas Day game.
2: Well, before then, uh, Nick Sixers, uh, November 4th. So you're welcome to come on to the pod once again and uh, chop yes, it up with us. Back.
0: This is too fun. <laughs>
2: chop it up with us, as they say, in New York, I believe. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll just have a whole lot of
1: fun. My pleasure. Great talking to you guys. And uh, we'll do it again soon.
0: Yes. Thanks again.
2: Out of sight podcast on the Liberty Ballers podcast network. We are out of here. We will talk to everybody next week. Go Sixers. And uh, we'll talk to everybody next week.